Hello and welcome back to the other 99% podcast where we take a step back from the 1% marginal gains that society has become obsessed with and instead focus on the other 99%. Throughout this series, we'll discuss all things related to self-actualization and becoming the very best possible version of yourself. I'm your co-host, Tom Osmond, as always, joined by George Cook. Uh, it's a pleasure to be back. We've been a couple of weeks away, haven't we? Yeah, has it? Has it been two or three weeks since we recorded? I think two weeks. That's right, we're still pretty consistent. Yeah, it's not too bad. We'll let ourselves off, we'll give ourselves a break. Yeah, yeah, not too bad at all. Yeah. Um, it's been remarkably busy. I don't like the B word, but um, I've been on half term last week, so it feels strange to have struggled to have time. But I think just trying to squeeze so much into one week and also trying to recover and relax a little bit, um, it, it fills your time pretty quickly and days go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Obviously, who's ringing me? Um, yeah. Do you know what I struggle with now is I never want to take any time off because I won't make any money and that's a harsh reality of being self-employed. Yeah, I, I think I'd struggle with that because when you're sitting there watching TV, like the phrase time is money is like very true for you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The more yeah, the more hours you work, the more money you make, yeah. How is it all going? Yeah, it's going all right. I'm uh, pretty much on target of doing uh like around 30 to 40 hours of PT a week and then I'm not doing as much online stuff anymore um I'm going to gradually wind that down maybe just keep like five or so clients online yeah. um and then I'm trying to push my group sessions more nice because the gym is now finished is it yeah it's pretty like I don't think it'll ever be completely finished it's just like one of those things that is never ending um but yeah it's up and running I've had my first few group sessions where I've had six people in there, which is actually right in terms of space. That's uh, brilliant. And then I'm probably going to employ someone in January. Oh, wow. Fair enough. Because we, um, last time we were chatting, you were fighting with your lighting system. Yeah, that's all fine now. Yeah. <laughs> the, the next big thing to do in there will be getting the door redone, which will probably be like, okay. and so I might leave that for a few months. Um, it's open 24 hour gym. Yeah, what it is at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could, could do it getting the door redone, but yeah, it's an expense I don't really want at the moment. Um, but yes, yeah, it's going all right. And then well, what I was just saying about taking time off, if I employ another PT or two, then I can take time off and still make money from rent from them, basically. Yeah, fair enough. Um, no, it's really good to hear. I'm, I'm glad it's, it's up and running. So I feel like it's been quite a long time coming, but it's been very intense. Yeah, well, I was originally going to wait until January to make the gym bigger, and I just kind of got on with it. Um, so yeah, my my big plan now is make enough money next year to buy my first like buy to let property. Yeah, maybe try and get a couple of those before I buy a bit of land and then build my own gym. That's the plan. Nice. Although buying at the moment, we've been looking at it. It's hideous. It's absolutely hideous to try and afford the the mortgages with that high interest on it. Yeah, so I'm essentially just going to buy a bit of land and yeah. build not a house on it, but like a structure that's good enough for a gym. So I don't think you need the same planning permission. So I'm hoping that will be a bit more affordable. Yeah, nice. What are you looking to buy? Well, I mean, always thinking about it, right? You know, you don't want to um, not have anywhere to live ultimately. But, you know, what was affordable like a couple of years ago is now completely out of the price range. Yeah. And then if you drop the price range significantly to make it affordable, you're like, well, I 
don't want to spend my life savings on that. Well, because of interest rates. Yeah. Yeah. Like the mortgage is twice what it was. Yeah. And then, okay, maybe you can afford it, but then there's no money left to do anything else. Yeah. Like you end up working just to pay your mortgage and your bills. And that's not why I've got a job, I'm afraid. Yeah. I was chatting to George about this because I think a lot of people take on a second job as well to be able to afford to buy somewhere. And you just think, what is the point? Because you're never there anyway. Yeah, I know. Um, Yeah, never there, constantly at work. Unless you work from home and then maybe I get it. Yeah. Um, But now that's sort of a bit of a ways off for us. Obviously, we've got the wedding next year. Um, Started looking at like honeymoon and travel destinations after that. Oh, yeah. Um, Where do you mean honeymoon? Well, I say we've started looking, haven't really got a clue at the moment. Um, Just sort of like spitballing ideas, looking at Greece, um, maybe like Nordic countries. I quite like the idea of the Northern Lights and the fjords and stuff like that. Yeah, I feel like you wouldn't have a very typical honeymoon. That probably wouldn't do it for you. No, um, and I'm I don't really like hot places, so that sort of reduces the uh, the um, the options a little bit. Because I don't know about you, but this time of year when it's cold but sunny, I absolutely love it. Yeah, I, I don't mind it to be fair. Um, I just the only thing I don't like is dark early mornings. Yeah, although I had my first, um, which what we're talking about today really, like cold water. I had my first actual sort of coldish swim. This week, uh, the water was down to 13 degrees, which is pretty chilly. Um, and it was just so nice to have that feeling back again, um, which in the summer you just can't get. And everything becomes a lot more uh, quiet at this time of year as well, like the lakes and stuff. People stop coming because it's, it's, not, it's not sunny and warm and whatever else. Um, so they don't want to go as much, which is quite nice because you get the whole space you know, to yourself, basically um so yeah it's been a nice a nice way to spend the week um sort of reintroducing my body into that yeah well we'll talk about it today but i'm still not convinced on the whole cold water i think if i dig back through some of our episodes um you promised more than once to uh, to start giving it a go (laughs) yeah i was gonna do it um we had them at work didn't we but i don't work there anymore but actually one of the guys i pt now he's got i say a nice bath he's get i think he's getting a new one and he's got this old, um, like barrel basically. Yeah, barrel. So he's he's like, I could get that off him if I want to. Yeah, I mean, I think you should. I think they're great. Um, the, the thing is that I normally start work at six o'clock, so I wouldn't be able to do it first thing. I end up doing it in like the middle of the day, and I'm never going to want to just go and sit in cold water in the middle of the day. I don't know. I think you'll find you will once you give it a go. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, let's start with like, should we start with like the theoretical basis for why yeah. I want to do it in the first place? Yeah. Um, so you looked at a few bits as part of your recovery work. Um, I looked into it from a sort of health, like the physiology side of things. Um, and also it touched on a couple of psychological benefits. So the research I was looking at came from the UCA, UCLA um, health research team and also um, the British National, National Institute of Health. Can't speak today. Um, not great for podcasts. Um but the first one that came out of UCLA was that it reduced the inflammation markers in the body. Now, this was a preliminary finding from them. So they were still looking at kind of the impact on chronic inflammation. So I think for a long time, people have known that the cold can help with acute inflammation. Like, you know, we put ice packs on things um, when you get hit uh, or you walk in something or whatever. And, and we use cold to kind of suppress um 
that inflammation. But they're now looking at this over a longer period of time and looking at sort of chronic pain, chronic conditions, uh, and how cold water might be able to help them. And they've got some really, you know, um, exciting research, I think, and exciting results coming out of that. They're starting to see a shift in these markers for people that are um, using cold water. Now, of course, caveated within that is if you're looking at something over a long period of time, maybe there are other factors that are influencing like what they're doing and stuff, but um, the cold water has been one of their big, um, big selling points for people with these, you know, long-term injuries. Um, and then linked to that, they've also, as a sort of side effect, found that it has like a real big impact on immune function. So the number of leukocytes that are kind of stimulated or released goes up um, just from people who have, cold showers from 30 to 90 seconds a day for 90 days and they also found that those same people were 29 percent sorry took 29 percent fewer sick days per year um than people who didn't switch to cold showers which you know that's a pretty impressive stat looking at a large range of people um that was actually they did that in the netherlands um obviously where wim hof is from so they kind of buy into that a little bit as well but 29 percent less days is is huge um and anecdotally, I found that I can't remember the last time I had a cold or a cough or anything like that. Um, and I, I have cold showers and I do cold water all the time. So I do really think that the idea that it can impact your uh, immune system is is really quite um, important. Yeah, because what, what all the talk about cold water always comes back to inflammation. Yeah. And- what I battle with is when you go through the stages of healing or just recovery from anything, like information is a normal part of that process. It is part of it, yeah. Because then when you look at particularly the effect on strength and hypertrophy, it's a little bit different for endurance adaptations, but for strength and hypertrophy, you can end up blunting the adaptation to whatever training you've done because you're speeding up that process. Yeah, and I think they are two separate things. Um I would probably then my my question is if someone's got like chronic inflammation, I think there's something else going on there, and then trying to so these people who are in like chronic pain, yeah, whatever reason for their chronic inflammation, like I don't think an acute intervention is the right way to fix that no, I agree, um, but I think this is more than just an acute intervention in that it can be done over an extended or lifelong period. Um, but additionally, it's part of the puzzle, isn't it? Like if you're looking at someone who's got a condition that, you know, they struggle to move because of their pain, so they can't do the rehab properly. If you can reduce that inflammation, reduce the pain, then they can start to move normally again. Like it becomes a bigger part of your rehab process is, is how I would view that. Yeah, I'm still, I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to be convinced on it. <laughs> Um, we obviously heard from we heard from Linda about her pain, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. But then and... the other thing I think is if you if you constantly do so much that you've constantly got that much information, then maybe you should just like try and train a bit less. Yeah, ease back on what you're doing. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm going to apologise now. I don't know if you can hear the dog whining in the background. Um, uh, a little bit, not very much. Yeah. <laughs> you just hear someone knocking on the door. I don't know if you yeah. can hear that. <laughs> Yeah, if, yeah, I guess that's what why I have a hard time with when people 
feel like they need to constantly do this to reduce information because either if you've always got that much information maybe you're doing too much or maybe there's something else going on that's causing that underlying increased level of information which i don't think an acute intervention is the right thing to do to try and fix that but then what the argument that i do kind of see is like when we talk and this is talking about recovery modalities in general if you feel like it has a benefit for you then you're much more likely to actually get a benefit from it it's like the whole nocebo effect yeah yeah. Um, so then and then if you do feel good then maybe you might perform better and all the knock-on effects from that and then i think you're going to come on to talk about this but the mental acuity effects of cold water as well um maybe i'm more convinced by that just because i know less about it compared to the (laughs) physiology of recovery um and then there is there is some evidence when we talk about like endurance adaptation, you can get mitochondrial biogenesis, so the growth of new mitochondria, um, which is obviously where you resynthesize ATP in the muscle to create energy. So you can get some beneficial endurance adaptations, but I think the research for that is very limited as well. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's my that's my take on it. Yeah, I I must say I don't know a huge about about that that last bit that you're talking on. Um... But like you said, yeah, the mental health benefit. I mean, I watched um, somebody last year. I, I don't even know her name. Um, but she went through um, a horrific trauma in her life. Um, you know, don't need to go into the details, but I think it's about as bad as somebody can go through. And um, I remember her turning up at the cold water to get in the lake um, a couple of days after that had happened and saying that she just wanted to be in the cold water to shut her brain off. Um, and, and I think having watched that, I don't think I'll ever be convinced by any scientific data that came out in contradiction to this, that it doesn't help because yeah. So there's a huge dopamine spike that comes in and somebody anecdotally told me, and I haven't fact checked this, but saying that basically cold water has a really like potentially addictive, um, like potential on the brain because you do get this real big dopamine spike and it can make you feel so good. Um, And I think that anything, like you said, that allows you to go into a place and come out feeling better is worthwhile. Um, And certainly having watched this at at kind of the worst end of, of what people can go through to see it have its, its, its benefit. um, I think that, we can all get something out of it. If it works at that end, it's going to work maybe to a lesser extent or to a smaller degree for everybody else who's maybe not going through that. But, you know, I I speak to the idea of mental fitness instead of mental health, and we all have to work on stuff. And we've spoken about our sort of, not journey through, but kind of experiment with um, meditation and, and mindfulness and that sort of thing. And cold water can become a version of that where you're in the cold and you can't think about anything else than oh my god this is so cold so you're literally like narrowing your focus without having to try like i find when i do meditation stuff i'm not well practiced enough i get other thoughts coming into my head all the time whereas when you're in the cold it's like okay i'm freezing cold i notice everything in my body like you get these nerves shooting off down your fingers down your toes everything's firing um for the first couple of minutes it feels like skin's on fire not in a bad way um but it sort of like burns and then 
that's all you can think about. And then you get out and my swim yesterday was about half an hour, 35 minutes, something like that. And for 35 minutes, I only thought about the water that I was in. And you get out and you're like, ah, oh, that was really relaxing, you know? And I'm not saying that I need, you know, more mental fitness training, but it was just something that I got out and realized that I was relaxed having done it. Yeah. All I would think for that 35 minutes is, God, I want to get out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that tingling thing you're talking about, like I find that really uncomfortable. It disappears though. Oh, does it? Yeah, I've probably never yeah. that long. I just get out. <laughs> so it happens and it comes for the first couple of minutes. If you should stay in beyond that period of time where it is a bit uncomfortable, then then you hit like a nice sort of almost warm feeling. And that's one of the safety points about cold water is like you stay into that point, but the second that you're feeling super comfortable and super warm, super happy, you probably need to be getting out because you're about to get very, very cold. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is along a similar line to what you're saying, but people talk about the concept of eustress, which is um, essentially a form of stress, which is what cold water is to your body, but you get the the positive effects of it instead of a stressful situation where it's got more negative effects. Yeah. Ross actually is a big fan of eustress, isn't he? Yeah. So, and then as much as, I don't agree with probably 90% of what he talks about. I've never actually tried this for myself, not Ross Edgley, but um, Andrew Huberman talks about the way he uh, trains for cold water is he'll talk about getting into cold water. And then when you first tell yourself you want to get out and you stay in, that's like climbing over the first wall. So you do reps like that. So you might climb over two or three walls in each session instead of just building the time up. Yeah. So if you're doing it more for the um whatever you want to call it, brain training, um, then you can kind of approach it like that. As opposed to when people look at it from a physiological standpoint, it'll be okay, you did two lots of a minute this week, then we're gonna go to three lots of one minute or three lots of 70 seconds and just build up the total amount of time in there. Yeah. So for the untrained um person, the general guiding rule that I've been given from some very experienced swimmers when I first started was you do one minute per degree. Um, and that's your, your total limit until you become adapted to the cold. So if the water, um, so yesterday was 13 degrees, that's 13 minutes. And that's from the second you get in as well. So what you see quite a lot of people do when they get in and we'll talk about this with the showers cause it's slightly different, but when they get into the lake, they sort of stand there and keep their legs in it for, two or three minutes and let that burning feeling go. And then they'll put their um, the yeah. half of the body in. That's actually a bit confusing for the body because you've got the bottom half being really cold, but the top half is potentially still quite warm. And you get this weird sort of counterproductive, counteracting feeling going on in the body. Whereas actually you'll adjust to it much more quickly if you just walk in slowly. Um, and obviously the second you step in, that's when the timer starts as well. So if you adjust for five minutes or three minutes then that's three or five minutes of your time in the water um so you can't spend three minutes adjusting and then 13 minutes swimming um it, it kind of all counts um and the reason i say walking slowly is what you'll find is and particularly with the cold showers is you'll you whack it on the colder setting which is what you need to do there's no point doing it on like a, a lukewarm sort of uncomfortably cold temperature um you'll find yourself getting like really out of breath and like gasping and that's known as a cold shock response. And that's 
the biggest reason that people die in cold water, you know, when they fall off boats and things like that is because they gasp and they inhale um, loads of water. But what you'll find is after, I think the research I did at uni was up to 15 um, regular immersions. So if you did it 15 days in a row, you'll definitely get rid of this. Um, you'll stop having that cold shock response. So you still feel cold um, and your heart rate will still go up and your blood pressure will still go up, but you won't get that sort of like... <gasps> sort of feeling when you go in um and you'll notice that the more you do that the more comfortable you are with that initial stage of getting in and you'll kind of adjust to the temperature quicker mm. but people who do a cold shower and maybe like put the hand underneath and it's really cold like you're obviously not going to want to put your whole body under but my advice would be just put your whole body under like you'd have to put your face under straight away um but definitely like get your whole whole body wet with with that cold water instead of trying to like uncomfortably edge your way under under the cold stream yeah comfortable do you know what was going through my head then was okay it is a form of stress it's the same as training but for i guess my question is like what do you feel like the benefit is you get from cold water like that has an impact on your life or on your day or uh, I think, oh, so like one thing that is really uncomfortable is lifting weights yeah I'm like the result i can see from that is it changes me physically it makes me stronger like i can see all these like tangible benefits i guess i struggle to get my head around it there's nothing tangible happening like what is the benefit for me going through that like unpleasant cold yeah, shower yeah, sure. gonna have on my have for me so for me probably the number one is the goal setting around it. So I obviously do it as swimming, not just immersions. So for yeah. me, I find that because I don't have access to, you know, cold open water all the time, um, I find the cold showers, I'm almost viewing that as training for the cold water. So I'm preparing myself for that because um, obviously, well, maybe not obviously, like flowing water takes away heat quicker than um obviously like still water so although a lake might be colder you can still get a lot of benefit from being in the shower because the fact that the water's moving off you um is taking the heat away quicker than than if you're in the lake so for me That's it's like point, actually because people, people talk about when you do go into cold water if you don't move at all it actually gets warmer because you get this like little like heat pocket around you you do for sure and that's essentially wanna... what suits do yes yeah, so you almost want to like keep moving while you're in there yeah to try and keep that cold water around you um so for me it's around that goal setting because i'm a very goal-oriented person i always need something to work towards and pushing myself to see how much further i can go in the cold water is something that i find like i can attach numbers to it i can attach like my feeling to it in terms of like my after drop afterwards you know was i better was i worse and and it's not it's not necessarily something that I grade. Like I don't feel like I failed if I spend less time in it. I, like every time I go in, I feel good because that's the second benefit for me. I feel focused and I feel happy. Like I come out of a really cold shower and for the, the three minutes that I was in the cold water, I've only thought about I'm really cold or yeah, yeah. that kind of tingling sensation. It draws attention to, the smaller things around that I'll, to be honest, completely neglect for the remaining 23 hours and 57 minutes of the day. Whereas in the cold, that is like a, a hyper-focused, hyper-narrow attention span. Yeah. People say a similar thing about the gym, but then they like, I go to the gym because it makes me feel good. 
I don't yeah. going to the gym doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> going to the gym makes me feel good. I don't know if I feel good afterwards. I normally just feel tired afterwards. Well, it's tired, but I get that like adrenaline release, you know. Yeah, I get it more with running. Yeah. Um, you know the runners high. Everyone talks about that. I like, did you get the same endorphin release from cold water? Yeah, hundred percent. If not more intense. I don't think you get it from. Yeah, I don't get that from lifting weights. Do you get? It I would from... also... No, definitely not from lifting weights. Not in the same no. way. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that comes out of it is the communities as well. And I remember going down to Brighton Beach because I needed to log some extra um, meters for my cold water like challenge that I was trying to do last year and just turned up on a, a random Saturday and there were so many little groups of people, maybe like five to 10, just going in for a quick dip, um, yeah. getting out, sticking the warm clothes on, having a cup of coffee on the beach. Like they were only in the water for a couple of minutes, but they'd all made the effort to get out of bed early on a Saturday to go down to the beach and get really cold. Um, and I think that idea of a shared endeavor is really important as well because for people who don't have time for team sports like myself getting that sort of group dynamic can be quite difficult um you know i'm not about to join a running club or something like that i don't want to talk to people when i'm at the gym so to have that idea of a bit of a community is really quite nice yeah okay here's another question for you so um like public health guidelines uh, like two strength sessions a week, hundreds of minutes of cardio. Yeah. Some people say that everybody should do cold water immersion. Like, do where are you on that kind of spectrum of like, I'm right down here on the left where I'm like, I wouldn't encourage anyone to do it really. And then you've yeah. got the people on the other side that are like, everyone should have this as part of their like daily routine or weekly routine or have it in their life in some part because of the benefits of it. Like, where are you along that continuum? So I'll caveat this with those who have some sort of heart condition, like definitely don't be doing this if you yeah. have some sort of heart condition, because unless you've been checked, obviously. Um, but if you know you're fit and healthy, then I would encourage absolutely everyone to do it. Yeah, 100%. I, I'm not saying that it will have the same benefits for everyone. Like if you look at endurance exercise or strength training, we can pretty much tell you the benefits that it's going to have depending on how much you do. I think that the research and the response to cold water is different, but everybody should at least give it a go to see how it makes them feel. And then, okay, interesting. But you, And you still encourage everyone to do it that strongly, even though we're not as certain as on the benefits. Yeah, because anecdotally, it just makes such a difference to me. You know, I also drink super greens and I find that, you know, you get like tired and run down, you get those little like stress ulcers in your mouth. Yeah. Like if I drink those super greens and get loads of like good vitamins and stuff in my body, I I feel better. Now, not everybody feels better after that, but it works for me. So if someone says they're struggling with it, I would recommend that because it's worked really well for me. So I think anecdotally i would 100 percent recommend it and it's also now starting to be backed up by research as well yeah yeah because there will there will be uh your physiology will change from doing it and then it'll just take people a while to figure out what exactly is going on like it's the same as meditation that the majors realize it changed your uh 
What's that thing between your left and right hemisphere called? The little connection thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do, and you just stumped me. Um, uh, it's called like Capsus Corsum or something. But it, yeah, it took researchers a long time to realise that meditation thickened that connection between your right and left hemisphere. And it'll probably be the same as cold water. I'm just not convinced that all the answers... Corpus callosum, that's it. Yeah, I got pretty close, didn't I? Yeah. Um, I'm just not convinced that everyone goes back to information. I'm like, for a lot of things, that's actually a bad thing, just trying to constantly reduce information. Because um, that's part of the process of adaptation. So trying to constantly speed that up. Same with taking anti-inflammatories. Do you know what I mean? Like, no one would tell you to constantly take ibuprofen every day. No. Um, but obviously, it's slightly different because it's going to burn a hole in your gut. But... Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I still think the same thought of constantly trying to always reduce inflammation is maybe uh, just like not the right way to approach. Yeah, I just think that this is I think optimize your physiology. an element of our physiology that we've been able to track with cold water. And that's why it's become a bit more of a talking point, because it's something that we can measure. And when yeah. you ask the question like, well, what's this going to do for me? like it's been able to give people a, a concrete answer of what it's going to do for them. Yeah. For me, it's like the ultimate, the ultimate reset button. It, it doesn't, you know, when we spoke about like, um, why zebras don't get ulcers and animals, they have this like shake yeah. after, and then they just move on. Like cold water for me is like that. I wake up in the morning, I have my cold shower. I'm focused. Like I've achieved that. I've done something that I, I definitely don't always want to do. Um, like let's make that clear i enjoy it but i don't necessarily like it so it's you know in a similar way to like um who's the guy that spoke about making a bed in the morning like you wake up and you make your bed you do something yeah, and that's like the start of your day yeah so you start you've accomplished and then for the rest of the day you keep on accomplishing and then at the end of the day whatever's gone on because there's always going to be stress i have my cold shower and it's all like the problems aren't fixed do you have at the but end of the day, do you? Do you, better? do you change yeah, a bit? So I only have cold showers. No, I mean, so you, you said then at the end of the day you have your cold shower. You so I did. I, yeah, I shower morning and night. Um, oh, what are you doing? It's always cold, yeah. God, I could not do that. Do you <laughs> have a nice warm bath? No, we don't have a bath in this place, actually. So oh. option for that. Would, would you have um, you had one? I don't know. Well, a couple of years ago, I lived um, in a different place and I had a bath and I thought, yeah, this is going to be great. Yeah. And I used it once and hated it. Oh, really? I just got bored. Yeah, I do like the idea of a bath more than actually like the bath, I think. Yeah, I was just sat there like, I, I'm bored now. And <laughs> <laughs> like cold water is it's refreshing. It, it's a reset button. It's It's something that allows you to just move on with the rest of your day. Or... Yeah really like peaceful sleep that's another thing there we go um anecdotally obviously garmin tracks your sleep scores i sleep better when i've had cold showers versus when i don't oh, interesting um all of the see other factors around that you know yeah. if i haven't then maybe i've gone to bed later or i've been at work up until a later period of time or something like that um it's not something that i've written down and specifically measured but i have noticed my ability to fall asleep quicker is much better when I've had a cold shower. Yeah. That um that's another interesting point actually, because it's so in terms of timing, people say the best time of day is to do it in the morning because 
when you wake up so i think throughout the day your your core body temperature rises and then falls and obviously it has yeah. to drop by two degrees for you to fall asleep or whatever yeah. um, so if you have a cold shower first thing in the morning that obviously drops your body temperature a bit but then you like rebound a bit higher yeah so then it's supposedly better to do it first thing in the morning because then if you do it late at night when you want your core body temperatures to drop so you can fall asleep and like wind down and shut down for the day then you might get that rebound back out um because it's slightly counterintuitive isn't it because you make yourself cold your body's going to try and warm it up yeah yeah and, and up a little bit higher than you actually want to be but i i think i run hot most of the time um you know i wear shorts all year round i don't really feel the cold that much i, I quite enjoy it um so for me, the benefit of hitting that reset button before bed is greater than the body temperature potentially rising a little bit. Yeah, I think I'm the opposite. But, I mean, every, everyone's different. So, yeah. you know, they might have a, a different response to that. And obviously blood flow is another um, another potential impact of, um, of cold water exposure and cold water immersion because you, you get such a, an aggressive vasoconstriction of the blood vessels and all that blood returning to your core and then all that blood going back out, it, it kind of strengthens those, um, those vessels. Yeah. Um, those systems as well. But that's another thing. If you have been in the lakes or had cold shower, I would say don't then make it hot again. Um, the biggest mistake I ever made was getting out of the lake when the water was maybe seven or eight degrees and I was obviously very cold and the air temperature that day was maybe like two or three degrees. And I thought, you know, what'd be really good is if I put all my clothes on and we're talking shirt, hoodie, coat, dry robe, tracksuit, hat, gloves, the whole shebang. And then I went into the saunas that were down at the lake and the sauna was just being turned on. It was like 60 degrees. And I sat fully dressed in a sauna at 60 degrees for nearly an hour shaking because all all the cold blood had come back from my extremities way quicker than it should have done. Um, none of it had been warmed up properly, and it basically just like slammed my core temperature. So you're much better taking a longer time to warm up um, or not sort of doing too much uh, hot water afterwards. Yeah. Obviously, if you've done like 30 seconds, you're you're not really going to impact your core temperature that much. So yeah. if you do a 30-second cold blast, like you can go back to warm. But if you've been in it for a few minutes then I would say don't put the the water too warm again after. So what's um what's people's best like starting point? I think showers is probably it. Um if you're listening to this episode at the time of release, which is sort of mid-end of October, I think there's still time for you to like really get into cold water immersions properly in the open water because it's not too cold yet. Um but I think from a starting place it's the cold shower. Like just bite the bullet, try and take a deep breath and relax and just go for, even if it's just 10 seconds, then the next day, 15, 20. Um, it doesn't have to be too long, but I think cold showers to start with. And if you do have access to, um, I'd probably say a rib, uh, the sea or a lake. Um, rivers can be a bit fast flowing and potentially quite hard to measure how cold they are um, or the impact that that cold's having. So the sea or a lake um get in have a go um but definitely do it with someone because like i said that that cold shock response that gasping um can be quite extreme for some people so yeah go down like these places are everywhere unless you actually look for them or google them you you kind of don't realize that they're hidden away um 
so yeah that i think that as a, a simple starting place most people have a shower a day just 30 seconds of your day make it cold see what see what happens it doesn't cost you anything if anything it saves you money on hot water yeah um <laughs> and then so i can't remember what the guidance is on like i don't know say i had a warm shower for like five minutes and then i just made it cold for the last 20 seconds yeah no i can't remember that is that good or bad yeah that's fine Oh, that is fine. Yeah, yeah. So but most people would do it at the end of their shower. So they'll have the shower, get themselves clean, whatever. And then just the last 20, 30 seconds, just blast the cold. Yeah, uh, that's probably, probably not as bad this time of year anyway, because it's cold and you get out. So it'll probably yeah. have power. <laughs> I've got to find an F rage because I don't want to get cold. Yeah, exactly that. Um, and it, it can give you a bit of a push to to get on with whatever else you should be doing. Because like you say, you just spend an extra few minutes in the in the warm water. Um, but yeah, do it at the end as opposed to the beginning. Cool. Um, thank you all for listening and see you again next week.